0: Hello out there! Welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies! It's exciting to be back, uh, bringing you a new episode, and not just a new episode, a review of a new movie! Tonight we will be reviewing um, 10 Cloverfield Lane, a, as J.J. Abrams puts it, blood relative to the 2008 hit found footage film cloverfield but i think we can all be very grateful that this one was not found footage
1: yes <laughs> and it, for those of you wondering what cloverfield was we'll get into that later yeah
0: yeah uh that's yeah you, you really don't and that, that's a good that's a good buffer for this if like uh you find this intriguing you're like well i've never seen cloverfield don't worry about it <laughs> it's a blood relative And so, which means there's a certain amount of connection that can maybe, you know, be seen by those who care, but it doesn't wreck it for, we'll just call you the noobs. So, yeah. So don't let that deter you from seeing this, but maybe something we'll say in our review will deter you. You'll have to stay tuned here to find out what Dakota and I think of this new film. Uh, But first, we thought. Since this is a monster movie of sorts, that we would do some trivia against each other once again of some of monst- monster movie trivia. That's basically what we're doing here. Well, we're gonna ask each other some questions from monster movie, the monster movie world over the years of film, and see if we can stump each other. So Dakota, why don't you go ahead and ask me one first? See if you can stump me. See if you found a tricky one.
1: Okay, this one is comes from an oldie. An American Werewolf in London. Won an I Academy. You said it was an oldie. <laughs> I think this predates us, doesn't it? 1984. It does. Yeah. But that doesn't that's not as
0: old as some of them are. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. To us it's old. And to most people listening it will be old. Yeah. An American Werewolf in London won an Academy award for which category? I'm gonna go with best makeup. Yes, it was the first, first time that they had this category, and it won. Really? So th- yeah. that was
0: the that was the first year they had the best makeup category, huh? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Surprisingly. Yeah. I uh, guess uh, Lon Chaney kind of lost out.
0: Yeah. He, he didn't really. He <laughs> well, didn't... whoever did Lon Chaney's makeup <laughs> lost out. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got that one, but if you haven't seen that movie, um because of the fact that they use practical effects with the makeup in that, it holds up in a very disturbing way.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little
0: his transformation's kind of icky.
1: Not just that, but there's there's a lot of gore in this movie. Uh John Landis when he was converting uh the film to DVD uh, did commentary for it, and apparently he was shocked at just how much gore was in the movie. Like he
0: forgot? Yeah. <laughs> of course, that was back when he's young, and he's just like, more
1: blood. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of
0: like Spielberg. You know, half the movies Spielberg made in the late 70s and early 80s, he's like, I would have never made that today for, you know, certain, like, he's mellowed out reasons <laughs> and things like, like plot points and character development things. It's just funny how, you know, everybody mellows out in their old age, I guess. But all right, my first question for you is what film is basically considered the first giant monster movie? I'll give you three choices. King Kong, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, or The Lost World?
1: I think I'm going to go with King Kong.
0: Ooh no, it's not King Kong. The
1: Lost World. The
0: Lost World oh! The Lost World is considered basically more or less the first giant monster movie. It came out in I believe nineteen twenty five, if I looked correctly. Oh, okay. King was... Kong was nineteen thirty-three.
1: So. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit of time in between.
0: Yeah. Yep. But it, King Kong was the one that definitely put him more on the map. <laughs> you know, but yeah. So there you go. Um, uh, you got another
1: one for me? I sure do. What John Carpenter movie opened the same day as Blade Runner?
0: Hmm, let's see. Blade Runner would have been
1: John Carpenter? Yes, the famous John Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, I can't really I can't really hum the Halloween music too good. I was going to say is it Halloween? No. That's a little before. Way before.
0: Blade Runner. Didn't Blade Runner come out in like 1980,
1: 80 or 81?
0: 81. Hmm. Man, well, I already guessed and was wrong.
1: <laughs> the thing. Really, the thing yeah. is that old. Oh yes, sir. It is that old.
0: I thought the a- thing was more like 84, 85. Okay, that's what threw me off. Good one.
1: You know, today, if that were to happen, it would be it would be like two titans fighting. There would be people mm-hmm. debating how. One film was superior to the other. Yeah. But back then, both films were actually critically panned. Um The, right. thing, the thing about the thing is, though, John Carpenter, of course, kind of had a following. So people people went to his movies, whereas Blade Runner kind of... Everyone just kind of turned their backs to it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, he was always going to have his following. But Blade Runner was like so misunderstood and still is, and people either love it or hate it. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's interesting. Well, you got me on that one. Okay, let's see here. Okay. Stephen King says that he was genuinely frightened by this adaptation of his creature novel, to which the director described as the happiest moment of his life, that he was able to genuinely frighten Stephen King with his adaptation. Was it it? No. Oh. wasn't it.
1: Pet Cemetery? No. It was
0: The Mist. What? The Mist. Frank Darabont. Oh,
1: I should have known. Frank
0: Darabont considered it the happiest moment of his life that he was able to genuinely frighten Stephen King with his adaptation. I think. uh, Crazy. I think King likes Darabont's adaptations the best out of any of the movies because he did Shawshank Green Mile and The Mist, and King seems to. I hold all three of those in pretty high regard. So
1: yeah, I think. Uh, well, they were pretty pretty faithful to the stories. the The ones where they s actually stray from his stories, he tends to dislike the most. Uh, pretty famously, he dislikes uh, Stanley Kubrick's Shining movie, The Shining. Yeah. Well, that was Kubrick wanting to do his own story. Yeah,
0: you know, and so you had kind of the clash of the storytellers. <laughs> and so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do you got for me? All right. You ready for this one? We'll see. <laughs> Rick Baker was responsible for creating which of these horror movie monsters? Okay. The Alien from Alien. Okay. The Predator from Predator. Okay. The Thing from The Thing. Or all of them.
0: What? <sighs> This is tricky because I know Stan Winston did some work on those, but I don't know if Rick Baker worked for him. He did some work on Alien, I thought. Uh, I'm going to say The Thing. Is it The Thing?
1: <laughs> yes, it's The Thing.
0: Yes, all right. All right. Cause was I think it was Stan Winston that did it, The Alien, right? Yeah, and
1: Stan Winston is responsible for the Alien and the Predator.
0: But you kind of like scared me because I'm like, well, did Rick Baker (laughs) work for Stan? No, because then I was like, no, Stan Winston was just taking credit. Uh, Oh man, yeah, you're trying to trick me here. Okay, okay, here we go. This one, I know is right up your alley. In the movie Cloverfield. The decapitated head of the Statue of Liberty in the street is inspired by the poster for what classic movie, which depicts the head of the Statue of Liberty lying in the middle of the street? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I know you know this, because I know you like this this movie.
1: (laughs) Oh, why am I drawing a blank? Statue of Liberty lying in the middle of the street. Is it Ghostbusters 2? No. And a lot of
0: people initially thought it was a Planet of the Apes thing, but it's actually Escape from New York. Oh, of
1: course. They were
0: paying montage to the poster and how yeah. it had the Statue of Liberty laying in the street there. So.
1: Yeah. All right. Man, I artist. think I got you. You're 0 for 3. <laughs> yeah. And I've gotten, what, two
0: out of the three, I think, so far? Okay,
1: go ahead. You've gotten one.
0: I got the Rick Baker, or the I got the best makeup one, and I got yeah, yeah. You got two actually. The thing, yep. Sorry.
1: All right. What year did the original Godzilla come out?
0: Okay. Are you referring to the Japanese one or the American re-edit?
1: the (laughs) the original original.
0: 1954.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) I know that one. Just because my next question has to do with that also. (laughs) Oh, okay. For the 1956 American re-edit of the 1954 (laughs) Godzilla, (laughs) how many days did it take Raymond Burr to film all his scenes? Because they added him in to Americanize it.
1: Yeah. So how many days did he spend filming his scenes to add in? It was something, it was something, it was an odd number, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not like
1: a... I'm going to go three days.
0: Oh, it's not three. Seven? Nope, six. Oh! There's a legend that he did it in one day, but he said that's ridiculous because they had to, you know, make the new scenes or whatever. It took six days.
1: Wow. All
0: right, well, give me your last one. <laughs> I know you got one more for me, so...
1: Okay, let's see. This monster movie actually caused people to leave the theater because they were suffering from motion sickness. Cloverfield? Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that that's why we were glad this one wasn't found <laughs> footage. Yeah, uh, it's a little too shaky at times.
1: <laughs> I I'm not sure if it's a rumor or not, but uh, supposedly some theaters did. Did have, like, a warning if, you, if you're if you prone to motion sickness. <laughs> you may not want to watch this movie. Well, I
0: guess if you went to it on an IMAX, that would be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't know if IMAX has showed it, but... That wouldn't be a very good movie on an IMAX since it was filmed on, like, not as good of a camera for the purposes of the movie.
1: Yeah, I would... I've actually wanted to... Uh, I have a friend that suffers from motion sickness like really easily. Okay, I was wondering (laughs) just watch this movie, (laughs) see how she handles it. Start her easy with Born Supremacy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's my last one for you. What famous 1930s bombshell refused the main role in King Kong as Darrow? Jean Harlow, Mae
1: West, or Veronica Lake? Oh man. I know this one too. That's what bothers me.
0: Which one of those is considered the original, like more or less the original bombshell?
1: <laughs> May West.
0: Oh, that's true. She kind of is, isn't she? <laughs> that's a bad in, I guess. Gene Harlow. Gene Harlow, I guess, is the one that's called the plat- Is he the one that's called the platinum bombshell? Yeah, or the blonde bombshell. Yeah, it was Gene Harlow. She refused it. She wow. was the one they wanted. I'm guessing that's why Anne Darrow, Gene Harlow, maybe even why she has like a name that kind of sounds like hers. Yeah. But Faye Ray snatched it up uh. probably to, uh... yeah, and I think she was even kind of lied to. I think she said, I think the producer told her, or Marion C. Cooper or whatever said, yeah, you'll be playing opposite a tall, dark, tall dark leading man or something you know and so she thought it was going to be like Cary Grant or something wow (laughs) and it ended up being you know an ape (laughs) giant ape (laughs) so yeah it's funny we you know but you know they treated women terrible back then (laughs) it's like yeah you're going to be next to a tall giant man (laughs) stupid woman
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh god oh it was a different time
0: ah the good old days (laughs) At least we don't objectify women anymore.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thank god those days are over. Yeah,
0: man, I'm glad we're glad we're past that. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, that was awkward. <laughs> Let's move on here. We're gonna get into our review now after those monster movie questions sent you in the mood for a movie that you have to see for yourself. What you think? Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs>
1: on being prepared I saved your life by bringing you here I knew this day would come it's not safe out there something's coming Dakota uh... that's my name don't wear it out
0: (laughs) this movie had an interesting marketing campaign in that Nobody really knew it was happening until, like, January 15th or something. Yeah. The first trailer was before 13 hours, and everybody's like, who? who?" It's like, what the heck? And then it said it was coming out in March. So it literally just had a two-month campaign where it just kind of came out of nowhere. And, uh, yeah, how early were you familiar with it? Were you familiar with it pretty much from
1: January or... Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I was doing something. I was at home and somebody mentioned that, oh my gosh, there's a Cloverfield movie. Someone posted something on Facebook, a sequel that's coming out. And I was like I just chuckled to myself because it's if you were gonna make a sequel to that movie, it's it's a little <laughs> late to do that.
0: Uh yeah, it was it's one of those things. Where it is late, but at the same time, there's still a pretty decent fan base. It seems to be chomping at the bit for a sequel, and I think you know some of those really, you know, the people that are really big fans of Cloverfield, um, were kind of disappointed that this is what ended. You know, I'm not necessarily directly talking about the movie. I'm just talking about the fact that he goes, well, it's not really a sequel. Yeah, (laughs) and so they're like, well, that's what we wanted. But at the same time, I, I, I've thought to myself since two thousand eight, when he's, you know, when there was talk of maybe someday doing a sequel, I asked to myself, "What would they do? You know, where, where would you go with that story in, in terms of a direct sequel?" And so uh, maybe that's why we ended up getting Ten Cloverfield Lane because they found this as like, well, you know, maybe this is a way we can we can do we can just play with that world. You know, yeah. Where maybe that's a kind of a funner way to go at it is just to play with that, play with that world a little bit. Um, yeah. And I, I was kind of the same way. I had heard that he was going to be producing this movie called Valencia a while back, and that it was going to be about a woman who w- woke up in a bomb sh- in like kind of a bomb bunker thing, and was told, um, "I saved you from a car accident. There outside it's unbreathable." And that it was going to be kind of a thriller about if she could trust this guy who found her or if he was a kidnapper. And it was kind of a psychological thriller. Well, then all of a sudden this marketing campaign started and I realized that. Then they started saying, yeah, that movie became (laughs) this. And I'm like, what? That's kind of crazy. They ended up kind of throwing us all for a loop by, you know, making this, that, that movie. Because I thought that movie sounded interesting. In and of itself, and then now they're calling it, you know, now they made it into this kind of Cloverfield universe of sorts.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it does make you wonder at one point in time, they kind of just said to themselves, let's, let's make it a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, I know. It's like, I, I would be curious
0: to know when, when that happened. <laughs>
1: like, when in the, because it, It almost comes across as it could have happened as the film was actually being shot. Yeah. Without giving away anything about the movie,
0: um, I was thinking the same thing where that definitely could have been a possibility where it was like even during like maybe principal photography had already started. <laughs> yeah, when that idea came to full fruit, like when they decided to go through with that idea. So yeah, yeah, it's just kind of kind of interesting stuff. But yeah, so that's basically you know what I kind of said there about initially. That's kind of the the basic premise of the movies. You have uh, a woman who um, gets in a car wreck and wakes up um, injured and uh, kind of handcuffed in this bunker. And he says, "I saved your life." Um, Not only from the car accident, but the outside world is now uninhabitable. Something bad happened. You're safer. You know, you're safe here. If you were out there, you'd you'd already be dead. And it kind of comes down to this, can this person trust this man? Because, you know, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, she didn't, I mean, it's not like this was even a distant neighbor this was just a total, complete stranger to her, and so, yeah. And the uh, the guy who who has this sh- bomb bunker, I guess it was called a bunker, is played by John Goodman. And how'd you feel about uh, how'd you feel about his performance in this movie, Dakota?
1: It was really surprising to watch him in this movie because uh, this is kind of a side of him we never really have seen before,
0: not mainstream
1: yeah like there's been a few times where kind of like under
0: the radar independent type things he's played more serious roles or i mean you know it's in that kind of realm of of his repertoire, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is the first time mainstream I remember him playing a role like kind of this serious, subdued, not a real whole lot of comedy. I mean you know, <laughs> yeah. no funny business type stuff. And so yeah, but I don't know how'd you feel? How'd you feel about him in that role? Did that
1: Well, it was it was surprising and a a real, just kind of jarring because when you first meet the guy, he He doesn't really come off as creepy, he comes off as somebody who's just like really awkward.
0: Yeah, kind of uh
1: Who's kind of like ro- walking a tightrope between? <laughs> yeah, he's a very
0: tense yeah. individual, and man, it, it was it was weird. To, it was weird, but after a while, I didn't think of it as John Goodman. But, but to see John Goodman like initially, just such a tense person, kind of wound tight, and uh, yeah, he just did a real good job with that. And then, of course, the uh, um, the female lead is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I like to call the modern-day Scream Queen. (laughs) She just kind of ends up in a lot of uh, thriller, horror-type movies. I I was first introduced to her with uh, the movie Sky High. I think that's how she got famous, isn't it? More or less. That was the first time I had heard of her, I guess, personally. I mean, she's fine in that. I mean, it was just kind of your... She's playing kind of your average... uh, teenage girl and then you know her role gets a little more complicated in that um but you know she's fine or whatever and then she just kind of slowly built a name for herself over the years to where what just uh, a few years ago she was actually in the prequel slash reboot of the thing
1: (laughs) yeah where where uh she was uh pretty much the main character then too and she surprised a lot of people in that movie because uh, she didn't. Everyone knew she was going to be the main, the main star of that movie, and it w- the movie was obviously going to border on action slash horror. And her character was kind of unassuming at first, mm-hmm. and throughout it, throughout the whole movie, just like in this one, she kind of just gets stronger and stronger mm-hmm. uh, to the end of the movie where she's she's the last one left standing um yeah and then a few years before that she just had
0: some bit roles in like uh, a grindhouse movie that Quentin Tarantino made and uh Bruce she played Bruce Willis's daughter in Live Free or Die Hard and she had just kind of built herself but it, it seemed like um as far as kind of like main acting roles she didn't really have a lot of those. not in the mainstream i mean she was the lead girl in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. And, uh, she kind of, I guess another category you can always put her in is like, she kind of ends up as being kind of the the pretty girl in a lot of geek movies. Yeah. You know, or kind of like, maybe like you could call them like, they're more like cult movies slash geek type movies where she ends up kind of being the main pretty girl or uh, you know, but a, a lot of times, like you've been re- talking about more more recently, she's been uh, more than the pretty girl, she's playing a character that's like I'm not just a pretty face. You know, there's there's something more to it, and I think, in you know, it's like maybe that's why she likes those roles, because it is more than just having to be <laughs> the pretty face. You know,
1: yeah. If they or ever need the
0: doe-eyed girl or something,
1: if they ever need to uh, they ever decide to remake Alien, she's she ought to be the top choice to play Ellen Ripley. That's for sure. She could. She's not. Co- you know. That, Sigourney Weaver is in a category all by
0: all on her own just because of the fact that she's so tall and, <laughs> and, and in the most feminine way possible, I'm going to say this, but in the most feminine way possible, Sigourney Weaver is also ma- masculine. But she's masculine in a feminine way, and that seems like it doesn't make any sense, but how it makes sense is when I just say Sigourney Weaver because that's what she is. And so it's hard for anyone to really fit that bill, you know. People are trying to make Emily Bunt Blunt kind of fit that bill now, where it's like feminine, masculine, but nobody d- can do it quite like Sigourney could, you know.
1: Yeah, she really, she really didn't try in Alien or Aliens, which uh, would be the movie where she really, really did that. Sure, um, but it it takes very minimal effort from from Sigourney Weaver to pull that off.
0: Yeah, but you're right. Uh Mary Elizabeth Winstead um she's believable. Like uh she definitely uh especially if you go back and just like let's say we will just sky high. You know, I definitely say yeah, her acting has improved. <laughs> and then you know also that was a cheesy Disney movie. Um so you could always throw that into the into the mix there too that like, "Well, yeah, it's going to be better. It was a Disney." But I mean, it's just like, oh, I think she just genuinely has improved. And then uh, there's uh, another character that kind of rounds, that kind of brings full circle the trio that you really get to know this movie is uh, a guy named, he's played, his name's Emmett in the movie. His real name is John Gallagher. And uh, he's a guy who I'm minimally familiar with. I've seen him in one other thing. Um, but he's a, and the other thing I saw him in, he was a really strong actor in that and in this one i thought he was he's pretty strong too i thought his acting was pretty strong too and uh you know the movie just the movie really just hinges on you buying john goodman in can we trust him can we not trust him he was it was weird because he wasn't like overplaying it like I know I'm playing someone that you think is mysterious, you know, that you that is mysterious, <laughs> but he just kind of played it. He just kind of played the character, you know? And so it was really hard because sometimes you're watching a movie and like just from the first scene even though he's like the best friend of the main character he just kind of does like this almost like a mustache twirl. And you're like, he's going to be a bad guy. Because they're just like, Neeh. it's like, okay, we know he's going to be a bad guy. Or it'll be another movie you watch and they're like so busy high five and like, you're my best friend. You're like, that dude's getting killed. You know? But in this movie, J- John Goodman, he just plays this character so just kind of straightforward playing it that I just felt like it was hard. You didn't know. Is he bad? Is he nice? Is he human? You know, I mean, is that did you did you get that sense too, Dakota? I think he's the one who really made this movie work, in my opinion.
1: Oh yeah, he definitely kept you he definitely kept me on my toes. It was uh Good Lord, he had a lot of tense scenes in this movie. And it was But that's the thing. Even in those tense scenes, it's like it wasn't
0: like overboard where it's like okay now I know he's the villain. You're still going maybe he's not, you know, or or you just, you just basically to a point where you go he's not he's not the villain. <laughs> There's you know and and that's what's uh, what's so good about the performance. I think you know it's just uh, and I and and I'm and I'm not sitting here saying like you know Oscar caliber necessarily, but strong definitely a strong performance
1: yeah he definitely gave one of those performances that uh, you kind of just remember pretty sure we're going to be talking about that one for a while yeah it's a very memorable
0: performance and and again i think it's just uh a guy who's been around the block and he's just honed his skill you know
1: yeah he was uh well he was pretty good in argo that's true. He was in Argo just a few years ago. Yeah. And I don't know. I To be... F- that was that was probably... I don't want to say which film is better, but he certainly acted more in this movie. He was playing a more... Well, yeah.
0: Because yeah. he was more of a supporting in Argo.
1: Yeah. And then this one, he's... Well, he's all over the place. Yeah. He's top bill. Yeah.
0: this. I mean, it's just as much it's just as much just as much his movie as it is um Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character her she her character's name is Michelle and you know being the one who's all of a sudden in this scenario so uh yeah and so i guess as far as just filmmaking overall how would you feel about that just like the look and feel of the movie and just how we, we kind of progress through the story uh, where were you with that i thought
1: it was all pretty good um there's not this movie takes place in a bunker, so there there's not a lot of traveling around in locations. Yeah, it's not a road
0: trip movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all
1: kind of kind of the same, the same set, the same, just kind of the same rooms that they're using. And sometimes the movies where they do that, it gets kind of you feel like you get bogged down, or you you wish the story would hurry up. You don't really feel that in this. Yeah, I, there
0: was never really a part of the movie where I was like, mm, okay, it's slow, we can move on. Um, everything seemed to matter. Everything seemed to be a piece to the puzzle that you wanted to where, yeah, you were just kind of in the flow of the movie. And I think on top of that, just the fact that, as we talked about, nearly the whole movie is just kind of one tense scene, <laughs> even though there are cuts you know, and, and time jumps it still just feels like one long tense scene and so i think just that and the fact that there's these characters that you've bought into it just keeps you in there it just keeps you in that in that moment in that time um and things like that yeah but i don't know there's not too much more we i think we can really say here without giving uh more away than we than we want to so i think maybe Let's just go into maybe final thoughts, Dakota. What are your final thoughts on this movie?
1: Oh. You know, we've been talking about how how much we, what we liked in this movie. And there's a lot to like about this movie. Like I said, I, I especially enjoyed all the tension in this movie because it, it, it kept you, it kept you focused on what was going on.
0: Yes. Yeah. It, this the, movie is nearly hyper
1: focused. Yeah. With the characters in this movie, uh, this is—it's a phrase that gets used way too much, but I'm going to use it for this as a white knuckle thrill ride. Um. And then we got to like the last ten minutes of this movie, and I was sitting there just kind of like, what's "Yeah, we'll just going let's, on."
0: Let's call it the third act. Yeah.
1: The shortest third act ever, but yeah, it's it's there. We'll just call it
0: that. Maybe how I'd put it is like the finale causes you to maybe think about it a little bit after you leave, and then you just kinda gotta decide for yourself exactly uh how you feel about it. <laughs> um but I guess overall I would say uh man, it, yeah, it was a it was a lot more tense than I thought it would be. I mean, I knew I was gonna go in there and be like, okay, this is gonna be like kind of a thriller thing as we but it was even more tense than I thought it was gonna be. Um, it did have a few surprises that i never really expected <laughs> or, you know, would have would have thought, okay, that's where it's gonna go that were that were I found satisfying, the surprises that there were. Um, and as far as uh, you know, the whole finale type thing, I don't poo-poo it. Um, it there were some interesting elements there, and and I it kind of, it, and then it kind of leads to this. Okay, I see what you did there. You know, kind of you sly dog type thing where there, there, there was a a conclusion of sorts that that gave you some closure there that. That I was okay with, which causes, I guess, we decided on this episode our grading system would be letter grade. And it causes me to, this is really hard, I was kind of debating between these two. And, oh, it's so tough. I think I'm going to end up, here. I was debating between A- and B+, plus because I feel like it rides right in between there. But I think I'm going to do it, just because the things it did give me surprise me enough where I would I would push that up, you know, give it where it would boost it up for me to where I would just give it a straight up A minus. Um just because I think this was a very well executed acted movie that between those things and just those extra surprises just kinda help me boost it up out of the B into A minus. So I think I I give it an A minus. But what about you, Dakota? I'm
1: giving it a B and just a B? I, yep. Okay. And I'm giving it a B just because of that ending.
0: <laughs> he <laughs> and, and that's and that's where uh it's kind of it's kind of uh on you. The the ending didn't didn't hurt me as bad as it hurt Dakota. Um, I think partially because I kinda wondered if it was gonna be an ending like it was. <laughs> and so I'd kind of like maybe in a way was prepared <laughs> for certain things. And so uh yeah, and so it's it's kind of on you, but like you said what a movie and and you and there's not many like a lot of times the movies that have the good performances are the movies that overall you find kind of dull and are usually in the best picture category at the Oscars or something like that or best writing. But I think what's cool about going to see this movie is you get to see really um good performances in a movie that's also very entertaining and tense to watch. And so that's really that's really cool to have that opportunity that Sally doesn't come across very often cuz usually when you go to like kind of an action movie or a thriller movie you kind of sacrifice act, acting to get the action. <laughs> or the thrills. And so it was nice to have both of those there in this one. <laughs> um where you could have those both there. So yeah, anything else to go to? Yes. I'm still
1: trying to figure out that ending. That's all I'm going to say. It's
0: something <laughs> that as I said, it's okay. So it's good when you take a movie away with you. It means uh uh it means it's his job. You know, it's got you to, to think about it and ponder it and, and wonder um, what that could mean or the, the questions it asks to cause you to look yeah. at the answers.
1: I'm not saying the ending was weak. I'm just, it confused me. That's yeah.
0: That's all it is. That would be a good disclaimer. The ending isn't weak, it's not a weak ending. It's not like, whoa, that was this easy way <laughs> out type thing. You know, it wasn't weak. But yeah, it just, it just, it is. The ending was what it was. And so I choose to accept it a little easier than Dakota did. <laughs> that's just kinda how that goes. It doesn't make me the bigger man. I honestly just think because I was a little more prepared for it, just because I wondered <laughs> if that's what it would be. So yeah. I think overall though, Dakota gives it do you go to see it then in theaters? Yeah, I'd say see it in theaters. Yeah, I'd give it a I'd give it a see it in theaters. Um like I said, it's it's a fun, tense experience so yeah um, but I think with that we'll wrap up this episode. Um, remember to um, subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes or whatever other way you listen to us. It's cool to to know you're there and 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 care enough to uh, subscribe and and want to know when our new stuff is. Uh, any sort of feedback you want to give us is also appreciated or if you like our Facebook page which you should do. That would be a good place to leave us uh things you'd like us to do on the show, things you think we need to stop doing on the show.
1: Musical numbers maybe you'd <laughs> want us to
0: sing. Yeah, Dakota's always up for singing musical numbers, especially if it's from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, no, not Rocky Horror Picture Show. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, Wrong horror thing. Oops, that's funny. I don't know if he'll want to do Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, just any anything like that. So make sure you – uh you do that too. And we also like to throw news updates on there about different, just whatever's going on in the movie world. So do those things, please. We appreciate it. And thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully, you learned some stuff in our monster movie trivia time. And uh, hopefully, since we both uh, did like it, we've encouraged you to see 10 Cloverfield Lane. And yeah, but, but with that, I think we'll close the show here. So this is Steven.
1: And this is Dakota.
0: See you later.